Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. Now today, we're talking all about the future of students at Whitgift. Kate Goldberg is an assistant head and she's in charge of something called Student Futures too. I get to ask her what that actually is, how it's not just career advice, and what this really means for the students at Whitgift. And at the end, we talk about a way that you might be able to get involved too, so stick around to see what that's all about. Now, that's coming up in this episode, so let's not waste any more time. But instead, come with me as we speak about Student Futures with Kate Goldberg. Kate, welcome back to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm very well, and it's fantastic to be back. Thank you for inviting me, Simon. Well, it's it's great to talk to you. For people listening, Kate was on an episode back in, I think it was episode number 10 from memory, but it was about a year and a half ago. That's right. Yeah. Have you been on a podcast since then or was that your was that your first and is this your second? Yeah, this is my second podcast, yeah. Is it a bit less scary the second time you're doing it instead of first time? Yeah, you're not scary, Simon. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> um but I um I'm feeling quite relaxed about it. I guess I know what to expect and uh and I've listened to a few of the other podcasts and they're good listens as well. So that was quite nice to be able to I think when I first did it I hadn't heard any of the others and now I'm coming from a position of kind of understanding what this series is about. And uh, so, yeah, that's good. That's great. Okay, now you're you're an assistant head at the school, but but there's there's four assistant heads, is that right? That's correct. Yes, and we've each got different areas that we're in charge of, and I am leading now on what's called student futures. So I'm assistant head student futures, which is it's a new role. I have been an assistant head for a few years now, so I was in charge of learning and innovation, and that's moved to um, my previous deputy, James Piggott. And I'm now looking at student futures. And that means basically is all the decisions that students need to take while they're at school, which is going to impact their future. So whether that's deciding what GCSEs to take or what A-levels or IB or what universities. And even like after they've left Whitgift, it's the person who's going to be still in touch with them or one of the people, because we've got our development office, which is also... um, definitely uh, stays in touch. I'm really interested in staying in touch with our students and carrying on giving them career advice and um, chats. I don't actually like the word advice because um, I think we've moved away from the world of career advice, but conversations with them, um, it might be writing a reference for them, but it might be talking about internships or work experience hopefully being someone who's interested in them beyond the time that they are at Whitgift. And I'm sorry, I feel I've just been chatting far too long <laughs> to that question. No, it's, it's totally good. I mean, I was smiling while you were talking there because uh, I, I, like many people who are listening to this right now, I remember the careers advice, to use your word, that I was given. Uh, in fact, I'm going to put advice into inverted commas because it definitely wasn't advice. I remember someone saying to me, you like maths, don't you? And I said, yes. And they said, well, you should go into banking then. And that was my career advice back in 1980-something or other. So you touched on on what it looks like today, but tell me more about Student Futures, about about, yeah. about what it is that you do. Just take it down. No, I mean, I think that's level. really interesting because I'm sure like a lot of parents and prospective parents and myself as well have had similar experiences to what you just outlined. So I think it is really important to sort of dwell on that and think about what does it look like. And 
what student futures encompasses to me, and as I say, it's a kind of new focus for the school, but it's much deeper than just giving them some advice about what they maybe could study. It's to do with actually thinking about our curriculum and thinking about whether we're equipping them with the right skills in order to succeed in a changing workplace. And it's also to do with coaching our students in order to know themselves and in order to be able to be authentic to what they actually like and what their kind of values are and um, and understand that identity is fluid and that they will change probably many times in the course of their careers and that's absolutely fine so it's to kind of equip them with those skills to be able to know uh, to hear that voice in the head which says you know what I don't want to do this anymore I want to do something else and to think through what steps that would take and to know that that's fine and that there are lots of other careers out there um, we want them to be kind of adaptable and resilient and to be able to have that kind of mindset that they're probably not going to go into a career for life but we want them to be able to flourish and do something which is going to really give them a sense of fulfillment. Wow okay so you, you mentioned the word coaching in there and coaching feels like a relatively new word and, and, I, and I think most people tend to associate coaching either with sport or with adults in a more professional sense but coaching in, in the educational sense and for younger children sounds like a very exciting thing. At what age are, are children when they when they kind of tap into this resource? Yeah that's a really good question and um, coaching is We've been doing coaching for a few years now at Whitgift and I actually introduced it to the school in my last role. It's something I used to work at the BBC. I was a journalist before becoming a teacher and it was something we used at the BBC as a kind of partly as a line management tool and partly as a kind of tool to kind of untap creativity and ideas and so coaching is we're trying to get most of our teachers to do a sort of two-day coaching course which means that they'll have an extra tool in their toolkit if you like um, and an approach to having conversations with students and with the whole school community. It is a kind of adult thing, but it's essentially, um, at its core, it's very simple. It's about thinking about what, it's a conversation where you can explore what your options are and what your values are and make a decision and hold yourself to account. Wow, okay, that sounds like a great way of putting it. So tell me then more about why Whitgift is doing this now. I mean, you, you mentioned that coaching has been around at, at school for, for, for the last few years. But why now? I mean, what, what, why are we talking about this on a podcast now? My role is new. So having an assistant head, it's a, it's a, I'm part of the executive team at school and the headmaster's decision, I suppose, to make student futures quite a senior level job rather than just have a kind of part-time career as advisors that they mm. might do at many schools. I guess reflects the fact that he realises that um, we are in a very fast changing world where the world of work is changing very quickly. And I think there is expectations on all schools to be doing a lot more than they have done in the past in terms of giving students these kind of experiences, um, conversations with employers, um, experiences with a range of different sectors so that they can really start thinking about what might be available to them. Um, and the coaching is, I suppose, what I see as one of our unique approaches to this, which is that we're not just telling them, we're getting them to make that decision for themselves. Because I think if they do that for themselves and they work out for themselves what they want to do and why they want to do mm. it, they're going to feel um, a lot more invested in their decision. It strikes me as well that at Whitgift, I know that a lot of the children who leave Whitgift tend to come back. That you know, they're, they're, they're very good at giving back to the school, to the pupils who are still at school. 
And so here where you're talking about helping them for after they leave school, it's kind of giving them something for after they leave, not so that they come back and of course, and give back to the school, but it, but it all fuels itself really in many ways, doesn't it? Because you're teaching them the importance of seeing beyond what somebody is doing right now. Yeah, I hope so. I certainly, I love it when our students come back It's some of the most rewarding conversations I have is when they come back and they tell me about what they're up to and I guess it's one of the, you know, everybody has those moments of a teacher that's inspired them or has given them some advice that they'll never forget. And I guess I do hope that some of our students will feel inspired in that way um, and they can come back and talk to the current students because they do so many different and interesting things. And it's always those stories where you feel they're really being true to themselves. They're doing, they're really pursuing their passions um, that I find the most gratifying. Does it make you feel old though when, when, when you see the changes they've gone through? It does make me feel old. Actually, even <laughs> just students yeah, who I remember teaching, you know, when they were in year six or seven and they're oh. sort of doing these super interesting things. But I think it's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this job is because it's quite energizing to kind of see all these exciting things that they go off and do. And um, and that does give me yeah, a lot of energy and um, is very rewarding. So there's probably no head in a school that I can think of who's, who's never said the words that we are educating children today for jobs that don't exist right now. Um, and that jobs out there right now won't exist in a few years time. We've all heard that, but, but how does that look then when you're looking at things like student futures given the fact that the jobs don't exist at the moment? It's not all. First of all, there's a few things, actually. One of them is it's not all about getting a job. So I think your education has got a lot more. It's not as pragmatic and transactional as just equipping them to get a job in the future. It's about educating them and inculcating a love of learning um, for for its own sake. And it's a, such a massive privilege to be able to have that and to enjoy it and not to have to think too much about your future. So I think... I'd be happy if they just had that alone in some senses. And I think actually the love of learning is I hear time and time again when I talk to people about what does it take to succeed in your field is they say you've got to be able to be a self-starter who likes to learn and to develop. And what we want is people who are you know, who can do that, who can be independent and who actually want to grow themselves as individuals. So in a way that I think is the most important challenge we have is to do that. And on top of that, you know, there's obviously soft skills like communication and collaboration and critical thinking. And all of this is kind of stuff that we talk about anyway within our subjects and within our day-to-day -day lessons. Um, so I hope that we will um, educate the students to be articulate, um, independent thinkers and to be ambitious and to um, be able to think about their community in a wider sense and to think about the world in a more uh, in, a, in a curious way and to have that curiosity. Oh, I love that. I love that, Kate. I really do. And, and of course, in your pre previous role as um, being in charge of learning and inno innovation, uh, you mentioned that James is now doing that. In fact, I think James has been on a podcast. Episode he has. He came and talks about academic enrichment. Oh, and so, yeah, everybody's it. kind of moving on a little bit now. So he was he's going to do the learning and innovation role. And we've got um, Adam Jones, who is our previous head of German, is um, stepping into the academic enrichment role. Oh, I love this. I love this. So maybe we should get Adam uh, onto a podcast episode and James back onto a podcast Absolutely. episode. Absolutely. Um, but but how do you see your learning and innovation background helping in this role that you're in now then? Yeah, I do actually think it's quite a continuum because the learning and innovation was also a kind of new 
area for the school. It was something that didn't really exist. And um, I was asked to innovate in the curriculum. And so I introduced global citizenship and digital literacy and the independent project called Ignite that we do in year eight and coaching as well. And I think kind of all of these things are part of what still in a way I think makes the kind of student who I think would thrive in a changing world of work. Now, part of what you do is to talk to students, I imagine, about entrepreneurship. And I often think that's an interesting word because in the US culture, it's it's perfectly acceptable to, to, to stand up and say that you are an entrepreneur. I think in the UK, we tend to wince and cringe a little bit at that if we do that here in the UK, because it's almost like... It's almost like other people can call you an entrepreneur, but you're not allowed to call yourself an entrepreneur. It's like you're putting yourself at the same kind of level as Richard Branson or someone like that. But tell me about culture in the UK in particular. And I appreciate that some of the students leave Whitgift and go on to other countries around the world. But but here in the UK, how how is the culture regarding things like entrepreneurship and and choosing your own path with your career? Yeah, a really interesting question. To me, entrepreneurship is quite an exciting and interesting word. And I think um, a lot of the younger generation do find it quite exciting to think that they could go on and it's some, you know, they could be a... I don't know, start, have a startup or, you know, come up with an idea and um, create something. So I think it's got that kind of element of excitement and uh, sort of practical sort of making something that doesn't yet exist and quite often people associate it with the digital world in a way there's sort of you know there's got to be a kind of digital side to entrepreneurship we've had an entrepreneurship week in uh, year eight which are our second form and they really enjoyed creating things we gave them a special brief which was about a sustainable world so they had to be um, some kind of you know contributions to a sustainable future And I think it allows their imaginations to run riot in a way. And they came up with all sorts of far-fetched things and they they all enjoyed it. You know, whether or not any of them go on and be entrepreneurs, I'm not sure. Um, But I think at least it shows them that it's something that we value here at Whitgift. And I guess whether or not they become entrepreneurs, most students go on to university. Is that right? They do. No, absolutely. So um, we, yeah, most students um, get their first choice um, and uh, go on. I would say most students study at Russell Group universities or equivalents, prestigious universities in the US and abroad. And just for people listening who don't know what a Russell Group university is, what what is that? So a, a the Russell Group is a body of prestigious universities um so things like edinburgh durham bristol um but there are some universities which are excellent universities like bath which isn't actually russell group but is still absolutely fantastic in the subjects that it does um so it's a kind of it's a body of universities that generally signifies ones with uh, very good academic reputations okay right and you mentioned about when they go overseas Typically, where do they go when they do go overseas? So that's a kind of newer thing. So it's um, a, a sort of a newer trend. But this year, I think about 15 students got places abroad. It might even be more than that because sometimes they've applied to an international university and the British universities and you're not quite sure, um, you know, until a few months later that you find out they actually decided to go to an international university. But uh, typically I'd say the US is the most popular. Though we've, we've had quite a few students who accepted places at um, Ivy League universities like Princeton and Stanford um, this year. Gosh, 
Do you, do you think the world is a smaller place in 2023 with the ability for students to more easily go to universities like that? Is it a smaller place? I suppose so. I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're thinking beyond Britain, actually. I feel like, you know, there's a lot... I shouldn't really be saying this in a way, but there are a lot of problems with British universities. And I'm speaking partly as a parent who's got two... Uh, two children at British universities and you know they've been on strike and they're expensive and um, they're you know the funding is isn't great and it's not the only route so I would say it's you know I don't feel that everybody has to go to university you don't need to go to university to succeed there are maybe only a handful of our students who choose not to go to university but they might do degree apprenticeships which means they'll come out with a degree and they'll get some fantastic paid experience at um, top companies um, so so I do you know I do feel that I would encourage students to look beyond just the kind of automatic I need to go to university because that's what everybody else seems to be doing. What was your own experience at university like when you were younger? So um, I went to Sussex University and I did English and Russian there Um, and uh, I then went on to Columbia University in New York and did a Master's in International Affairs and Broadcast Journalism and that was super interesting. I would say Sussex was it was really exciting and not a Russell Group University. I was um, Russell Group didn't exist when I was at university, but it was a sort of modern red brick university. So I went to um, Columbia University for my master's degree in international affairs. And the really interesting thing about the difference between British and American universities for me is that there was actually that spirit of entrepreneurship in New York that I had never come across in Sussex. So when I graduated, it was early 90s, we were going into a recession, it was a bit of a depressing time. And in New York, you felt like you could do anything you wanted to do. So I got, you know, work experience at a documentary film company on Times Square. And I got a um, internship at Voice of America, which was, sorry, not Voice of America. And I did Voice of America too, but it was United Nations radio, which was the thing I loved, um, which was taught in the United Nations building. And there was kind of, if you just went and talked to people and said, can I do it? They'd say yes. And um, it taught me a kind of different way of being, I suppose. And how would you feel if your own children said that they wanted to go and work overseas after university? Oh, that's an interesting one. Because yeah, I would be sad in that I wouldn't see them so often. But if it was something which they absolutely loved, and they were doing something really fulfilling, I suppose it goes back to the thing you were saying before about it being a small world. If they're happy, I guess I'm going to be happy for them and I'm going to have to start saving up to make sure that I can go and visit them as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, I would, I, I can see it's sort of a double-edged thing, yeah. Kate, last question for anyone listening to this right now. If, they, if, if they're willing to contribute at all, maybe someone's running their own business and they're happy to give a talk on, on what it is that they do and the good things and bad things about what they do, uh, is that something that anyone's able to, to reach out to, to we school would, and help yeah, with? Yeah, um, I'm so glad you asked that as well because we would love um, any parents to get involved. And we've got an integrated careers program, which is running from lower first year six all the way to upper sixth. Um, And in that we're getting outside speakers um, and they can be parents or old pupils or anybody else that I'm in my network that I'm asking to come into school. Um, But definitely we would like people to come in and to talk about their careers. There's lots of different slots that we could do that in. Um, So do please get in touch, email me and we can talk. 
Awesome. That sounded very much like a planted question, but really it wasn't. It's just one that I thought of. What's the best way for people to get in touch? Is it by email? And if so, what is your email address? Yeah, um, email. It's ktg at whitgift.co.uk. KTG, like Kilo Tango Golf. Is that right? Kate, uh, Kite Tango Golf. Yeah. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn or uh, Whitgift Connect. So I'm definitely happy to be contacted on social media as well if you've forgotten the email address. Okay, that's perfect. Well, look, Kate, we're going to leave it there. But in the meantime, thank you for being here. It's been really good talking to you. I really appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. So that was Kate Goldberg talking all about student futures at Whitgift. If you're inspired by this and you'd like to help out, then do just reach out to Kate. I know that she would appreciate it. And more importantly, the students would appreciate it too. But in the meantime, a big thank you to Kate for being with us here today. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.